Good morning, everyone. And so we are hearing from uh, our first reading comes from uh, Sirach, uh, also known as the wisdom of Ben Sirah. And uh, Ben Sirah, uh, we understand as Ben Sirah, but his name would have been uh, Yeshua, Yeshua, uh, Jesus. Um, yeah, right? Ah. Um, and his grandson is the one who translates the book for us. And his focus, uh, now Ben Sirah is a sage of Jerusalem. And when we think of sage, we think of a man of wisdom. And very wise man indeed, because he did not accept the wisdom of the world. He accepted the wisdom of God. And because he was a sage, he would have had students. And uh, this piece that we're reading about, he gives the praises of humility, the hum of humbleness. And um, he would tell his students, uh, be careful in his time about the philosophies of the Greek, he said, or the ways of the world. That would have been their times. He said, it will lead you astray. He said, careful, be very, very careful. My friends, in our second reading from the book of Hebrews, um, a contrast, or comparing, actually, is happening between two covenants, the covenant of Moses and the covenant of Jesus Christ. And uh, Moses gave the law of God, with that came fear, though. Uh, people feared, uh, and they feared punishment. The covenant that Jesus Christ brings is different. His blood sanctifies you so that you may not be afraid. And more than that, you will have access to God, his Father. So these covenants are very different from each other. Moses certainly was the mediator of his people. And Jesus, who is greater, is the mediator of you. He mediates between his Father and you. You see uh, what Paul's doing. And uh, what Paul will go on to develop in that, he'll say, uh, we must heed the voice. You must heed the voice of Jesus Christ because It'll be a greater sin for you if you do not than it was to ignore Moses. I know. Yeah, if you read that whole chapter, you'll get that, you'll see this. I'm giving you this preview. Um, and my friends, um, mentioned in there is the assembly of the firstborn. Uh, there, what Paul is talking about are the angels? Absolutely. The, what we call saints, but they would have been the Old Testament uh, ones. And, uh, and this is fascinating uh, to hear about. And those are the new covenant. There's also a mention about blood. Now, if you don't remember, Abel is the first human who was murdered by his brother. And when his blood spilled onto the ground, his blood cried out to heaven for vengeance. Go and read it. It's in, it's in the scriptures. The comparison is made to Jesus' blood. Jesus' blood did not call out for vengeance. It called out for love and to be poured out upon you, sprinkled upon, that you may be sanctified, that you may enter into, ultimately, eventually, to the temple of his Father. My friends, Paul will also go on to say that those uh, who walk away particularly the believers who walk away from Jesus, it will be very hard for them. 
But yet we have a God who loves us and does everything for us. And my friends, uh, our gospel has this paradoxical aspect of holiness. And um, I think that escapes most of us when we just read it. Um, in order to walk in and I know this because I talk about holiness, so I've been praying a lot about this because um, I've been moved into a different insight about it. And uh, to ascend to holiness, we must descend. Um, Jesus, in other words, in the way Jesus puts it, uh, in order to walk the road that ascends to his Father, uh, we must put ourselves last, choosing to serve like a servant. This is what he's saying. These teachings of Jesus are reassuring, but they also are very challenging. It is a consolation uh, that we need not pursue extraordinary paths. Um, one of the likenesses I put, like those who, uh, I'm going to climb Mount Everest and the adrenaline, but you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. But in the same way Jesus says, you don't have to do that. Instead, he said, I'm going to show you a different way. Walk in the path of humbleness. This is, would be, in his eyes, the lowest path. To walk in humbleness. And you know what's great about that is no one lacks the ability to choose to be humble. It takes great ignorance to want to be the best. I know. Yeah, I'm going to be the best. And now with the beginning of college, I feel sorry for some of the college students because sometimes they've been pressured to, you will be the number one student or, well, you don't have to be. Sorry, parents, but you don't have to be. So choosing to be humble is available to everybody. It is possible for everyone. It is not possible for everyone to be the number one student. <laughs> it just isn't. Coming from the one who the professor said, Father... You're the least of the most intelligent of my students. <laughs> this teaching of Jesus is also very demanding that we have because our human hearts tend uh, to be very self-centered, to be very prideful, and to be selfish, which makes it very difficult to want to walk in humbleness and humility. More often, we usually try to obtain a position that is a bit higher than we actually deserve. Jesus notes with precision the attitudes of people invited to a wedding banquet. He's using sage wisdom. I'm going to present to you this image, Jesus does, of a wedding. And proposes, what he does is, he uses common sense. If you take the position of the most esteemed of the guests, one that you probably should not be sitting in, you risk humiliation. But if you go and sit at the lowest place at the table which nowadays is the table with the children <laughs> at a wedding banquet, right? <laughs> you will be exalted, at least by the children. It is hard for most to spontaneously want the lowest place uh, because of our inordinate sense of entitlement, especially in these days. But it is the most secure path, Jesus says, to my Father. Jesus' teaching is demanding, but it helps us to see that it is simple. And if we choose to walk in his way, 
we will have a peace that this world will never be able to give us. He does not push us to fulfill extravagant endeavors. And this is the hard one for me in studying this and praying this. He does not even say this about holiness. You see, I have to walk in holiness. I cannot live in objective sin and walk in holiness. I have to choose. But what God does not ask of me is to be Mother Teresa. That would be a hard shoe to fill. I don't have to be that. I need to be me and the holiness that God has for me because then that is achievable. To walk in humility, Jesus says. And this comes from, I believe he's quoting Old Testament as we understand, Torah, Micah 6, 8. And in this, this is the great thing about humility. Humility allows us to know the truth about ourselves. Today we hear a lot about, I need to speak my truth. The humble person who really is humble knows their truth, knows who they are, what they can do, and what they cannot do. We recognize our imperfections. My friends, holiness and perfection are different things. We live in an imperfect world. We ourselves are imperfect. But we have a God who loves us perfectly. He loves us perfectly. And in that, if we have the humbleness of heart, we will walk with him. Micah 6, 8 on that path of holiness. This is the way up to God, says Jesus. And when I look at these two examples, these two visions that Jesus presents, one uh, vision exalts and corresponds to our calling by God to be holy and to be immaculate and to be without blemish, like the church the beautiful bride whom Christ wishes to present to his father in splendor. That is not wisdom of Father Mark, that is wisdom of St. Paul, Ephesians 5.25. The other vision is marked by the sense of humbleness, humility, simplicity, and trusting abandonment to the Father. My friends, we should be like young children who do not think to choose the first place at the table for themselves, but are simply content to have the love and smile from their parents. My friends, uh, in writing this homily, I could not help, because of the themes, to look for examples of humbleness and holiness. You see, if I tell you, you know, us be like Jesus, it'll be hard for you. But not really. So I thought, who else can I look to as an example? One of the greatest disciples of Jesus Christ ever, Mary of Nazareth, his mother. Most of us can reach for that one. Be like his mom. I recall her presence at Calvary. 
She shared completely in the humiliation of her son. Remember, this world tried to humiliate him every step of the way. And any parent knows, if you do this to your child, the parent shares in that feeling. So, yes, although the scriptures doesn't say it, I guarantee you, she felt that humiliation. And she was prepared for it because at the Annunciation, the angel warned her. In fact, after having heard that she would become the very mother of the Savior of the world, she would become the mother of the king whose kingdom would have no end, instead of glorifying herself as many of the women of her time, what you maybe not understand is the young girls of her time, they all had hoped and aspired to be the mother of the Savior. Here she is, the mother of the Savior. And instead of glorifying herself, she presents herself as a slave. In her own words, I am the hand servant of the Lord. Luke 1, 38. In this way, she prepared to share in the suffering and passion of the servant of the Lord, as Isaiah in chapter 52 puts it. The first reading can also be read in relation to Our Lady, and more precisely in relation to the events that followed the resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. I'm going to quote St. Paul from Ephesians. St. Paul writing to the Philippians, I'm sorry. He said, I long to depart this life and to be with my Lord. Scriptures don't say anything about Mary saying that, but I, I tell you, she desired to be with her son. She desired to be with him. But Mary, ever humble and obedient, obeyed God, and she stayed here on this earth for you and I, and for the boys, as I call them, the apostles, <laughs> Jesus' buddies. She had to console them by her witness, by her love, by her compassion, by her humbleness, by her generous service, all steeped in joy. Joy. Even though this world was imperfect and even the, all the hardship that came, she remained in joy and in peace. She renounced immediately participation in her son's glory in order to serve you and I. You became her children on Calvary when Jesus said, Woman, behold your son. Let us thank the Lord then for his love and mercy. Let us thank the Lord for the example of love and humility of Mary, his mother, and our mother. Let us as Mary, who knew how to unite humility, simplicity, and service with joy and with happiness, as revealed in the Magnificat, teach us to follow and walk in holiness, imperfect as we are. When we're in, so I try to think of other examples of uh, the holiness and, uh, um, or, and people who walked in humbleness. Edmore walked in humbleness. Between the masses, I will offer the prayers for the dead for, uh, for your husband, Serena. And Serena, it is a great joy to see you in this house again.
a great joy, my dear, for my heart. That man walked in humbleness. Your wife, Annie, for me as pastor, walked in humbleness. We will celebrate the funeral mass for mom tomorrow with our prayers. In this church, in this parish, are these examples. Examples that the world needs. And you're called to do this. And you can. My friends, I just got back uh, from visiting family in Detroit, but we went there for a conference. And I'll tell you, it was one of the most wonderful experiences to be in a room filled with Catholics, filled with fire for Jesus Christ, with joy on their faces. <laughs> and I thought, I want that for you. <laughs> I want that for you. Because then you will take it out to the others. And you will win over souls for Jesus Christ. Then you will be walking in that holiness that I've been preaching about for eight years uh, that seems to elude me. And Father's working on those things. And one of the other things is... While I was gone, I came back, and there was a, a couple emails from people who said, Father, regarding your homilies, <laughs> historical content, biblical content, theological content, practical application. <laughs> so I'm going to work on it. That is humbleness. I'm not angry. I'm just going to look at it and see how can I do that. Last night I said I'm going to look at masters, master homilists who know how to do this. If this is going to help you to be better disciples, then so be it. Uh -huh. So my friends, um, today is Deb Jopp's uh, final weekend with us. She's been our, well, we know as music director with PA for Music, uh, so let us just thank her. Thank you, my dear, for being with us. We wish her well in her next endeavors, and we have a new music director, or PA for Music. Uh, she's been with us as Cantor. Please stand, Amy. Amy will now take the helm and will lead us in music music. Thank you, my dear. God is good all the time. Am I forgetting something, brother? Oh, yes, God is good. Deacon Mikhail comes. Uh, he's going to be full-time with us. Finally, the time has come for him. He will start uh, officially on Tuesday with us, and we will have a communion service now again with him. Um, and so uh, we get praise also, my friends, uh, the Archbishop has uh, convocated a new a next class uh, for the diaconate. So um, for men who are 35 years and older, uh, who feel they might have a calling uh, to the ministry of the diaconate, uh, now is the time to step forward. Um, speak with me or call the Archdiocese directly. Uh, they're going to be looking for these men as candidates, and the journey is four years long of study. And... Um, at the end of that, God willing, uh, uh, these men will become ordained as deacons to serve inside the church. So I encourage all of you to pray. And if you think that God isn't calling you, uh, he probably is. My friends, please know that God loves you perfectly. 
And in that love, he calls you out of imperfection and to walk with him. And in the coming weeks, we will discuss what that is. What is it to walk with God? Amen.